This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 411. I saw the layoffs. It was very concerning to me. And I realized I had to do something else to bolster the finances for my family and for for my kids and for my long-term future. If the idea of the American dream of formal education, work, buy a house, work some more, and try to raise a family isn't leading where you want it to go, well, then today's episode is for you. Hi, I'm Jeff Brown, and this is the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth. You see, I believe that if you want to achieve true success in your business and in your life, then intentional and consistent reading should be a part of your overall plan. To that end, we're joined each and every episode by a successful and inspiring author to dig into their latest book and their unique insights on things like professional development, leadership, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, entrepreneurship, and much more. In just a few seconds, we'll sit down with Chris Vistransky. He's author of a book called Renting from My Six-Year-Old, The Right Actions That Can Make and Keep Your Family Rich. I plan to ask Chris about his thoughts on the universally accepted ideas of working until retirement and saving along the way and what he thinks might be a better option, how he began his journey to creating passive income, there's a hint, and his process for instilling these concepts into his six-year-old daughter successfully, I might add, and much, much more. Since the release of my book back in August called Read to Lead, The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career, my dance card is filling up. I've got four speaking gigs in the month of March alone, and I would love to add you to my speaking tour, if you will. You can see some of the topics I love to speak on at my website, Read to Lead Podcast dot com slash speaking. If you'd like to know more, just reach out to me directly. It's Jeff at read to lead podcast dot com. That's Jeff at read to lead podcast dot com. And we can determine whether speaking at one of your upcoming events, offering professional development training to your team or some other option is the right way to go. One more time. That's Jeff at read to lead podcast dot com. Chris Bystransky worked in the corporate world for over 15 years before finally breaking free to pursue higher interests, including creating multiple streams of income. He follows his passions, looks for ways to help others, and strives to get better every day. He's a husband, father, real estate entrepreneur, attorney, author, speaker, coach, golfer, second black belt and Aikido, traveler, swimmer, cyclist, and more. His book is called Renting from My Six-Year-Old, The Right Actions That Can Make and Keep Your Family Rich. Well, Chris, I am delighted to have you here on the Read to Lead podcast. Welcome to the show officially. Thank you very much, Jeff. Um, glad to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. And I do have to say, I I, I read your book, you know, Read to Lead, <laughs> and and thank you so much for putting this together. Mm. I just found myself shaking my head yes so much throughout the book. It was very very calming to read. So I, mm. I I enjoyed it. Reading is one of the things that I do to actually calm down. Uh, it's like that my antidote to all the junk <laughs> that comes into my head all day long. You know, so reading is is a great part of my life that, mm. I, that I enjoy and it, it calms me down. So thank you for putting together that book. Yeah. It was a great read. Thanks again. I enjoyed it. I appreciate that. I think you may be the first ever guest to comment on my book. So thank you for being first. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. And I, and I like how you put that, how, how reading calms you. I, I look at reading very much, very much the same way. I, I want to give a tip of the hat while I'm thinking about it to Honoré Quarter, 
who, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is the one responsible for us uh, meeting in the first place. So, Honoré, if you're listening, thank you. I, I have so many different people. Chris introduced me to so many different people. Sometimes I lose track of who introduced me to who. But that was yeah. Honoré in your case, correct? It was Honoré. So, thank you, Honoré. <laughs> for, for so many things. Thank yes. you. Yes. Yeah, she's great. Well, I, for one, uh, Chris, have been at a place, I think, one too many times where I've put uh, in the past too much faith in, in, a, in a, a particular job that I held at the time. And I'd like for you to talk a bit about what you see as the problem with the traditional idea of, of working until retirement, saving along the way, et cetera. Yeah. So I was um, a corporate employee for 15 years and I, I felt like I was doing the right thing, climbing the corporate ladder mm. and it, it became very unstable for me. I saw a lot of layoffs. I was laid off twice in my career from great companies that I thought I would spend the rest of my rest of my working time at. And it was very unstabling to my core to realize how expendable we were as employees. You know, the, the corporate world gave me a lot. Um, I'm very thankful for my time and, and all the income I made and the experiences I had. But to me, it just became very unstable. You know, I had a very, I wouldn't say rough, but I had a very humble upbringing. And I was always taught to go to school, get a great job at a company, get the 401k, get that house and live your life. And that's what I did to a, to a, to a certain extent. And it was successful. Mm. It just wasn't very fulfilling for me over time to keep doing the same things day in and day out. And I saw the layoffs. It was very concerning to me. And I realized I had to do something else to bolster the finances for my family and for, for my kids and for my long-term future. So mm. I, I made some changes and you know I have some reservations about relying on that corporate job and that corporate paycheck for all the family's financial needs. It's great to have it. Maybe one of the spouses can do that or a partner can have that. And then someone else goes do something uh, that really supplements everything. Mm. But always have a second stream of income, I, I, I think is the way to go. So if you can do corporate, something else should be supplementing that. So it sounds like you realized there was a gap between the life you were living and the life you could be living. Am I saying that accurately? Yes, yes. I stayed so long in a corporate world. And the reason I did that was because I was making a good living. Mm. I thought that I had reached the goal. You know, I was climbing a corporate ladder, nice income. My wife had a nice income. And I was I was essentially coasting. <laughs> a long time ago, 15, 20 years ago, I had these great plans, what I wanted to do with my life. Mm. And they all got backburnered because I was making this great income in my corporate job. Yeah. So I would go to work, come home, maybe watch a little TV, do a little reading, um, do something exercise-wise, and then repeat that all, all week long and sometimes even on the weekend. And then it started to dawn on me that maybe there's something more. And I realized that I was achieving well below my potential. And that was because I was so comfortable where I was. Mm. I had lost track of all of the great things I wanted to do with my life simply by collecting this great paycheck in the, in the job. I've talked to a number of people over the years, Chris, who are in that situation you were in. They, they talked to me about all the things they 
they want to do, the companies they want to start, products they want to make, the courses they want to teach, the online living they see me and others living and, and, and how they're drawn to that. But again, there's that issue for them of, well, I, I can't do that and a job. I don't know where I'm going to find margin to do that thing, even just start it you know, uh, little by little. Uh, and the reality is, is, is I make too much money where I'm at to really, I, I can't lose this job because if I lost this job, it would just be too costly. Yeah, there certainly is a leap of faith. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people. And it seems that the more education people have, the more time and money they've invested into that job, the harder it is for folks to leave. And I was there for a long time. I knew people who, who were going out doing great things. When I'm sitting in my corporate chair going, oh, you know, I, go take those risks. I'm fine right here. Mm. I feel safe and secure. Later on, we find out that's not a great feeling and it's not really accurate. But I was too entrenched in my history with my education and my corporate working world to go do something different, to take the risk. And I don't think that was the right mindset. Well, that begs the question then. That I'm sure is on everyone's mind right now. How then did your passive income journey get started? What was the first real sort of scary step, quote unquote, that, that you took at that time? Yeah. So I knew that I knew that at some point I was going to need to do something else to supplement my income. I read books 15 years ago about creating passive income, rental income, doing starting companies, what have you. And I had all these great ideas back then, 15 years ago but I didn't have any capital to do anything. Mm. So I backburnered all of those ideas and goals. And then as I gained the capital through working so long, I lost track of those goals. But finally, they came back to life because I started reaching out to some folks. I, I wanted to start um, buying some single family houses and just build up a little portfolio over time to, to pass off to my kids. And the more I learned from folks, whether it was podcasts or reading books or attending live events, the more they guided me towards larger real estate transactions. And the scariest thing that I got involved with was really funding my first transaction. So I had to wire $50,000 to be involved in this big syndication to go buy an apartment property. And think about it, $50,000 is a lot of money. Mm. You know, I was just getting my whatever amount of money in my, uh, uh, in my, my checks every few weeks, but $50,000 was a good chunk of the year. And I was going to give it to somebody else to go and buy this property and then get distributions um, as time went by. I mean, that was so hard for me, to, for me to grasp, but I was surrounded with people who were doing that. And I, I met more and more people who were doing that and who were successful at that. So I finally followed their lead and I did it and I've never looked back. And I've, I've invested in, in several different states and I, I do that as much as I can now. Mm. What would you say then to folks who say, Chris, I've, I've waited too long. You know, I'm, I wish I'd done this 15 years ago when you did it. I, I should have started this a long time ago. It's too late for me. Oh, we all say that. Everybody, <laughs> everybody I've ever talked to who, who's done real estate, um, or, or gotten into something else. I wish I would have known about this. I wish I would have done this 10, 15, 20 years ago. And certainly if I would have done that, I would have made a ton more money. So I, I don't think we can preoccupy ourselves with could have, should have, would have. Mm. I think it's just important to take that step to supplement the income or take those steps to get to the next goal, to get to the next level. 
because we all have more levels to go to. I think we get stuck in stages in our lives. And it's funny when we're growing up, we go through different stages every three to four years, you know, whether that's going to elementary school or middle school and then high school and then the first job, it seems like we have this, this trajectory going up and then we plateau in a job. I wish I would have taken that next step earlier and gotten to a, a different level, but I plateaued. I think it's not worth worrying about anymore. I was very happy to have that opportunity to go and learn something else and, and to you know supplement my income and, and grow my finances. It, it doesn't matter when you start. Let's let's just start. You know, there's a famous saying: the best time to start was yesterday, and the next best time is to start is today. So yeah. you have to take that first step some point. You related to that. You, you said that at one point you used to feel like you needed to see the entire staircase before you took the next step. What changed? Was it in part the people you began surrounding yourself with on a regular basis? Was it something else? Yeah. So it was a combination of things. I, I started being around people who were successful and just taking steps, just taking action. Mm. So I, you're right. I always felt growing up that I needed to understand the whole process. I needed to know how to get there, You know what my goal was, how to get there, how, every step along the way. And that simply is not true. We don't need to know how a car works to get in a car and go somewhere. We don't need to know how our phone works to pick up the phone and, and, and call somebody. So I started being around people who just wanted to take action. They knew what their goal was, and they just started taking steps. And the specific path that they went was secondary. Was a secondary consideration. It was just start taking steps. So my understanding of the path that I needed to follow became a little different. They just wanted to get to get started. So I just wanted to get started. Mm. And then a secondary thing in my life that really kicked me in the pants was having kids. My time became so much more valuable and everything became urgent. So when I started acting with urgency and realizing that I did not need to know the whole path, I just started taking action, just started taking steps. And that has been, um, I've, I followed that through with my investing in real estate and with other areas in my life too. So I, I trained for uh, an Ironman triathlon and I just did it. You know, It wasn't all of this preparation. It took a long time, but there wasn't a lot of thinking involved. It was just, let's sign up, let's train and let's do it. Don't worry about how it's going to happen. We're going. I think you, you and I have some similar experiences when it comes to schooling. You spent your fair share of time getting an advanced degree or two early on. Uh, what's your general opinion, Chris, on higher education, generally speaking? It, it, was, it was great for me. I, I was, like I said, mentioned, I came from pretty humble circumstances and I was taught, I wanted to get out of there. I was taught that the way out was school and job and 401k and house and everything. So I had it in my mind, come hell or high water, I was going to school. So I went to, I went to college and then I went to law school and then worked and I, then I went back to business school. And every step along the way was very expensive, very stressful. I had some corporate success because of that. But I don't know if I would go back and do that again. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I would not. And I'm really considering what to do uh, with my kids when they get to be that age. Mm. It just seems that I spent so much time and money learning things that I did not need to know that were not applicable to what I was doing, to what I was ever was going to be doing. And it just seems that a lot of the information is free right now. Back before the internet, school was really the only way to learn a lot of things. But now we have access to everything. You know, MIT offers free 
classes online. You do not get a degree, but you have access to the courses. Right. There's got to be other schools that do that around the country, around the world. Plus, there's so many books and podcasts so that no matter what you want to know, you can literally become a relative expert almost for free in whatever accelerated time frame you want. So I don't know if the traditional schooling uh, model is really beneficial for, for the future. I, I think there's an opportunity cost there that we have to consider, for, and not for all professions. I mean, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, yeah, you're going to have to go to school, but not for a lot of other professions. For sure. Four years is a long time to be sitting idle. I, I, and I, I say idle, I, I don't mean like sitting, doing nothing, mm. but you're, you're, for four years of not working while you're going to school, and maybe people are working, which is good, but consider that, you know, if you left high school and started working and you got four years of experience, four years of income, and then you're going up against somebody when they come out of school, you've got four years of experience and income. They've got four years of education and debt and they have no experience. Yeah. In, in your experience and the people that you work with, especially these last couple of years, are you finding now uh, since the pandemic that, uh, and, and people leaving their jobs, it seems in droves, are you finding more and more people are open to some of these ideas, whether that be, I don't need as much school as I thought I did, or I, I can make money in other ways that don't require an exchange of time. Are people more open to that kind of thinking now than they have been before? It, it, they are, but it seems that it all depends on the circles that I run in. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of different networks. Um, and when I, when I speak to parents, it's like they're still focused on college. They want their kids to go to college. Mm-hmm. When they themselves are in between jobs or looking to do something else. But I know of a lot of people, it seems it's way more common now than it was 10 years ago that are looking to do something else. Most of the people I knew 10, 15 years ago, uh, we were just anchoring and setting up shop in a corporate world. And, and if this job was gone, it was immediately on to the next job. Mm. You know, you're just looking for a next job. You got to beef up the resume. You got to go through a search firm. You got to sign up with this search firm and that search firm and, and interview and interview. And now what I'm seeing and I'm hearing from companies that I've left and I'm still in contact with folks is there's not really that approach across the board anymore. It's like they want to go and do something completely different. Mm. They want to go start their own business. They want to take time off. So, yeah, I think there's there's definitely a more um, progressive approach to doing something different nowadays than it was 10, 15 years ago. The uh, through line through Chris's book is a journey he goes on with his daughter, uh, teaching her about first earning active income through uh, various jobs and things she's doing around the home that need to be done. And and then adding to that another layer, a layer of passive income where uh, she actually buys, quote unquote, different things within the house, the toaster, uh, the fridge, the kitchen table, and rents them back to the family. Talk a bit about how you came up with this idea and what it eventually led to like what what was the benefit for her getting that training and teaching from you which which none of us by the way get at school if that's going to happen it's got to happen at home right and thank you so much for bringing that up i am so proud of of this project uh the book um renting for my 6 year old it's something that i've had in my mind for a long time mm. and i went to college and i graduated with a psychology degree so I really enjoy observing people's behaviors and relationships and, and understanding how people learn things. So I, I wanted to do something for my daughter 
to teach her how to grow her income and net worth and really give her a leg up. I basically wanted her to start her start her life where I started four years ago. So I spent a huge chunk of time getting to this point. I wanted her to bypass all of that. Mm. I wanted her to understand the different ways to make money. And remember where I come from, in my mind, it was get a job to get a paycheck. I did not want her to have that mentality. Mm. I wanted her to have the mentality of, I'm going to go buy something that pays me. <laughs> I'm going to use my money to go buy something that pays me. Oftentimes it's referred to as an asset. So I took my education, my corporate experience, and I crammed it into this program that I put together. And I ran my daughter through this program of first showing her how to be an employee and making money via wages. And then I wanted her to transition into being an investor and using her money to buy things that pay her. And what I found was something absolutely incredible. The emotions, the fears that she went through in this process were exactly the same as the ones that I went through. It was the, the trajectory was the same. And then I started thinking about it. I recalled speaking to a lot of people about investing or making money some other way. And they had these exact same fears. They had these exact same emotions. There was doubt, there was fear, there was anger, there was disbelief. So what I essentially did with my daughter was I made her an employee around the house and she had some ridiculous jobs. I didn't <laughs> want, I did not want her to do anything meaningful around the house to help the family. I just wanted her to get paid. So I gave her jobs like um, every day in the morning, she would open up the blinds in the house and every day at night, she would close them. And every week on Saturday, she would get paid $1 for that job. And another job she had was turning the lights on outside, you know, the exterior house lights. And there was a switch in the back of the house and a switch in the front of the house. And she would just turn them on at night and turn them off in the morning. And I also paid her $1 for that. And then there was another job with uh, straightening out rugs. So eventually she was making $3 a week in her jobs. And she wanted to keep doing this. She was making $3 per week. She's doing her jobs and she wanted more jobs. And I said, nope, you have no more time for jobs. So you cannot make any more income from jobs. By the way, this is a direct parallel with how the real world works. Mm -hmm. You know, there's wages, you have a limited amount of time, you have jobs and you make money that way. And then I offered her the opportunity to take some of her money that she earned in her jobs and to buy an asset. So think about it. She's making $3 a week. And I offered her the opportunity to buy the toaster, which is just sitting on the counter for $25. And then she would get $1 of rent from the family. So she's going to take her wages that she earned and pay me $25 in return for $1 a week rent. And how do you think that went? <laughs> she didn't like that idea. Not good. Not good. <laughs> Which is the exact same way. Remember my $50,000 um, opportunity to go invest in something. Mm. Some people can do it. Some people can't. I was hesitant and doubtful at first, but I eventually went through. I eventually did that. And my daughter eventually did that as well. So she started earning rent on the toaster and then she bought something else around the house and bought something else around the house. And the H1, you know, was a huge chunk of her, of the money that she had saved up. She had to give away in exchange for this asset that she bought that was earning her income. And now 
she doesn't really want to go buy toys anymore. She wants to buy assets. Same parallel to any investor in the world. Mm. We start off with some money and maybe you want to go buy toys in the form of houses or vacations or cars. And then we transform into somebody who's investing in an asset. And then it becomes, how do I invest in more? How do I take my money and invest in more things that pay me money rather than these toys? And now we're talking, we started at a $25 item. Now she wants to buy something that's $500 in the house. Mm. And I'm a little hesitant to do that. I think we're going to do it. <laughs> and what, I, what we're, we're, we're talking about is the stairs. She's going to buy the staircase to the second floor for $500. <laughs> mm. Her income's already high. Now she makes about $20 a week from all the things that she owns. Mm. She was making three as an employee. And now she's making 20 as an, as an investor. And if she buys that asset, it'll probably double her income. What I loved about this journey was she goes from, as you said, you know, early on when she was making money, it's about going to the toy store and using her own money to buy toys. And, and then she transitions to wanting to do that less and less through no prodding from you at all. These are this conclusion she comes to on her own to the point now where she's like, how can I bless other people? Right, right. And, and you mentioned, you know, no prodding for me. I, I cannot teach a six-year-old about passive income. Mm. I can't. I don't know if anybody can, but I can show her. I could have her experience the emotions of, of gain and loss and doubt and fear, and then this, this reward later on. So I, I use you know, that psychology degree that I, that I worked so hard for. Mm-hmm. Um, I put that on paper and made it very applicable to the real world in these lessons for, for kids and, and, and adults. Um, as we get older, as we mature, as we become adults, we, we often get to a point, I think most of us, where we're less and less enamored with the new. Uh, why is it important that we not forget what it was like as a kid to see and, and, and to learn new things? Yeah, um, I, I struggled with that for a long time, just as you described, uh, being in the, in, the, in the corporate world and that I was doing the same thing day in and day out. And my, my energy levels were so low, I, I just didn't want to do anything else because I was just like entrenched. I was just really down, I guess. My energy levels were low. And then I saw my six-year-old have all this energy and it, it dawned on me that, wow, she's learning new things all the time. I think we we get into the trap of not learning anything new for a couple of different reasons. Um, number one, we've learned so much gr- growing up. You know, we're constantly bombarded with new things as as kids, and you know, we've seen a lot of stuff. So there's not much more left to to learn in our regular bubble. It's only when we get out of our comfort zone, which is difficult, that we start to learn new things and feel energized again. Mm. So getting out of that bubble takes a huge amount of energy. You know, think about a rocket leaving Earth. It takes a lot of energy to get out of that gravitational pull of being comfortable in its, in its space, on the, in its place on the, on the launch pad. Mm. That's the same way in our regular lives. I mean, we get into routines and then anything that is out of the ordinary, well, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of thinking. So it's very difficult. But what I found is that as soon as I started to do that, my energy increased exponentially. Hmm. And it was really just engaging my mind and just getting excited about things again. Hmm. That really allowed me to, this is when I was still working in in a corporate job, you know, go to work for the full day and then come home and be energized to dive into real estate podcasts or books 
or do some analysis on properties for three, four hours. So it was learning something new that is really that, that, that spark plug to energize me. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I consider it the fountain of youth. And when I say that, I mean that as we get older, we just get into ruts. We get into our, our routines and the energy levels are just not there like they were when we were, we were young, learning things, doing new, exciting things. But if, if we can generate some new ideas or see, see new things and experience new things, boy, the energy just goes way up. And I consider it the fountain of youth because, you know, as I get older, I want to have as much energy as possible. I want to be as active as possible. And to me, the ticket to that, the key to doing that is to continue learning new things or continue to experience new things. You know, I think that's so important for so many people to hear. And I, I agree with so much of, of what you said. I think as we grow up through school and we get older, we get more self-conscious, we become more self-aware. This idea of learning, i.e. admitting we don't know something, gets less and less attractive <laughs> to the point that when we become adults, we do not want to admit we don't know something. That's what, that's what learning is. If I need to learn something, it means there's something I don't know. Or the other hard thing to do is, is to admit we're wrong about something, to be open-minded enough to admit that we may not have all the answers, admitting we don't know something, admitting we're, we could be wrong about something. I totally get where you're coming from. I, I think that's 100% dead on. I want to ask you a couple of questions, Chris, uh, with regard to uh, books and, and, and habits. But before I do that, is there anything else from your book or from your journey that you want to make sure we know about or walk away with? Yeah, I, I just want to let everyone know that you know this is a very tough journey to get out of the comfort zone. It's a leap of faith. And I think there's great rewards to anybody who can do that and who wants to do that. And there's so much support out there, whether that's podcasts like this, whether that's books, whether that's live meetups, there's so many people that are willing to help. And all this, a lot of this is free. I mean, except for the cost of a book, you know, or the cost of gas to go to a meetup. But Mm. so many of these things are virtual that there's so many opportunities to, to learn. And I realized that over the last several years, just meeting new people. And, you know, I, I detail this, detail this in the book in that just take the first couple steps because you may have an idea where you want to go, but it all starts with those first steps, those first few steps, and the path will unfold for you. Mm. There's no need to understand every step of the way because the path may change as you go, but you're going to get to the ultimate goal that you have. But just take those first steps. You don't need to know everything. I, I spent a lot of time not taking steps mm. and I, I feel like I've wasted a lot of time, but I, I gained some solace in that all of the things that I did do with my life, whether that's the education, the corporate world, they all gave me some, some piece of information that I need to be successful going forward, whether that's an actual substantial piece of information, or maybe it's the drive, maybe it's the deep down desire to do something to be urgent. So all of those things that I've done, my history has really helped me to fuel my progress going forward. Excellent. Well said. Over the course of your career, I know you mentioned books and podcasts playing a role along the way. Uh, I'd be curious to know any specific books that have had a particular impact on you. What would you say are the ones you're recommending most to other people? The, The first book that really 
change my mind, change my um, approach to things was um, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. And I read that in college and I read it three times, <laughs> not because it had nothing to do with school, absolutely right. nothing to do with school. It was over the summer and I was working construction, building houses. And one of the guys, one of the experienced carpenters was reading it. So I asked him what it was and he told me about it. And I read it three times in two years. Prior to that, I really felt like things are a struggle. I've got a battle for everything. People are not helpful. I'm on my own. And that book totally changed my mind. Changed, changed my approach to everything. And I started to realize and see plenty of support for this, that people do want to be helpful. And, it, and that's the way I am too. I, I would love to help people. You know, let's just have a good conversation or communication mm -hmm. and let me know how it is I can help you because I want to help you. It, I feel good helping people. I did not have that mentality before. I did not realize people helping me made them feel better. And that book helped open my eyes to that concept. So when it just immediately, uh, my conversations with everybody from whether that's the grocery store clerk, the, the clerk at the post office, whatever, immediate change. And then there's been other books along the way, Don't Split the Difference by Chris Voss. It's a negotiation book. I bought uh, for my nephew, who is now 17. He was 13 at the time. I bought him Carnegie's. A book and he devoured it uh, in a weekend. I think that book in particular is something more young people need to read. I was glad to hear you read that when you were fairly young in college. I think that's that's time well spent for sure. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Chris. Again, Chris's book is called Renting from My Six-Year-Old, The Right Actions That Can Make and Keep Your Family Rich. It was a lot of fun, Chris. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Jeff, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to share my story. For a summary of my conversation with Chris, including how to connect with him on social media and links to the books and other resources we talked about, visit the page on my website dedicated to this episode. You'll find that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 411 for episode 411. You might say you get the 411 on this episode and Chris, when you go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash 411. I had to say that. When will I ever get that chance again? Speaking of memorable numbers, the date this episode is being released is 2-22-22. That's a special date in my family, February 22nd. That's the day my parents were married 60 years ago today. Sadly, we lost my dad right at about four years ago. But even since then, this date doesn't go by without me remembering it fondly. If nothing else, let my mention of that just be a reminder to hug those you love just a little bit tighter today. Hey, I'd love the chance to get in front of you and your team soon, whether virtually or in person, to speak on things like developing a consistent reading habit, among other professional development-related topics. Whether that includes speaking at your next event or training your team, I would love to connect with you. You can reach out to me, Jeff, at readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, hey, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read.